This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. And now joining me for the Detroit Sports Podcast Network is a new University of Detroit Mercy men's basketball head coach, Bakari Alexander. Coach, how's it going today? Uh, it's going fantastic. I couldn't think of a better day to be down here in the city of Detroit, you know, uh, reshaping and redirecting the program. And, you know, our, our staff is working hard to, you know, get things positioned towards the future. Well, let me do something here and welcome you back. I wanted to welcome you back to the city of Detroit first and foremost. I'm probably like the 1,000th guy to do that by now. And with you taking over this job, I know you probably have thought about this job as it is your alma mater, Detroit Mercy. So tell me this much, Coach, to start off today. How long have you known, actually, that you've wanted to become the head coach of the Detroit Titans? Well, initially what you are after is you're after a head coaching opportunity, regardless of the institution. And so when you when you embark upon an assistant coach career like I have over a 15-season uh, span, what you're hoping for is to gain all these different experiences to lead any program. Uh, I'm just fortunate enough to get back to my alma mater, which happens to be the University of Detroit Mercy. And now before I get into your coaching career in depth, I have to ask you about your time traveling the world with the Harlem Globetrotters, with whom you played with for two years. And I noticed by reading about your bio online that you also served as an advanced ambassador for the Globetrotters. So what did that role exactly entail, Coach? And what did your experiences with the Globetrotters teach you? You know, it was one of those situations for me where the Globetrotter experience really gave me a global perspective. Uh, 398 shows, um, over, over 13 countries that I traveled to with the Globetrotters over a two-year span, might I add. And what it provided to me was a chance to really see how people lived in other areas of the world. I went to uh, South America, you know, through Guatemala, you know, Colombia, all those different places, in the Canadian provinces, overseas in the Scandinavian uh, countries as well. And, um, I tell you, it was quite the experience. I had also discovered how the Harlem Globetrotters had introduced basketball to the world at the time. And so, you know, things like the behind-the-back pass or the slam dunk were all things that were popularized by the Globetrotters um, back then when uh, even African Americans wasn't allowed to play in the pro league. So you think, think of guys like Will Chamberlain and others who uh, actually had their start of their professional careers with the Harlem Globetrotters. Now, do you have a fun story about your time with the Globetrotters that you can share with my listeners and I today about your experience playing with the Globetrotters? Probably the most um, memorable experience was going over to Stockholm, Sweden, and doing our first show there, um, my first trip on the foreign tour, and realizing how popular the Globetrotters w- were in foreign markets. Uh, I, I thought that the capacity crowd that we played in front of not only was impressive, um, but it was eye-opening. And then I guess the other part of things was way back when, if you can believe this, we would play in every NBA arena here in the domestic U.S. So my second memory was that of being in the Staples Center when it was first built. Um, and we um, clearly had more fans than the L.A. Clippers had at their game just hmm. earlier that day. So. Uh, those are probably two of the uh, most fond memories I had, as well as being a part of the 75th anniversary um, uh, television show that was syndicated, highlighting the Globetrotters, um, you know, 75th anniversary at that time. 
So really, you did it all at the Globetrotters, worldwide and domestically, as you noted already. And now moving on to your coaching career, where you started off as an assistant under Perry Watson, coaching under Coach Watson for six seasons at your alma mater of the University of Detroit Mercy. And as many people already know, you played for Coach Watson, not only at Detroit Southwestern for one season, in which you won a state title as a freshman under Coach Watson, but also then playing for him two seasons at UDM. So you played for him in high school, played for him at UDM, and then coached under him for six seasons. So in totality, what did you learn from your experiences playing for Coach Watson and then coaching under him? Well, you know, anybody that played, you know, under the legendary period Watson learned, you know, a number of different things. I think the first thing it started with was the importance of being a, a, a dedicated student academically first, you know, a student of the game of basketball second. And, you know, Coach Watson and his staff, even back in high school, and uh, as you fast forward to the college experience, were really big on mentoring us in ways that developed us as total people. Uh, There's a number of players now um, from guys I went to high school, like Jalen Rose, you know, and others who uh, not only uh, remembered the lessons that we've learned from Coach Watson, but are displaying those in the community, whether the guys are starting schools or being community activists or getting into coaching like, like he did, um, which is what I'm doing currently. Uh, there were so many different things that um, he instilled in us. You know, and then a great work ethic was something that was instilled in all of us as well. You know, just going and, and being diligent, you know, about everything that you did. It was uh, something that he felt, you know, sat at the uh, nucleus of any type of success. And that was hard work. And so the hard work, the discipline, the dedication, you know, the focus, the ability to minimize distractions and be disciplined were all of the elements of what Coach Watson brought to the table. And then as a young assistant um, getting an apprenticeship under him at the college level, I can't think of another guy out there that was more organized than Coach Watson. So, you know, there's so many lessons to be learned from a a gentleman like that who now sits as uh, the second all-time wins in uh, Detroit Titans uh, basketball history here, only behind uh, Bob Callahan, which the building is named after. I, I think that's just you know, quite an um, advantage that I had um, learning under such you know a leader in Coach Watson. Now, moving on to your time serving under John Beeline at the University of Michigan, where you spent six seasons. What vital lessons will you be able to take with you from your time learning under Coach Beeline? One, you know, John Beeline is one of the best tacticians in the game, you know, and when we talk about his imprint on uh, college uh, basketball and my career personally, now here's a gentleman that has a unique resume. He had never been an assistant coach in his career, and so it's one of those things where he's always led and he's had to find different ways to lead different groups at different levels, you know, going back to his days at high school. You know, community college, Division Three, Division Two, you know, lower level Division One, mid tier Division One, and then obviously the elite levels like he's enjoying at Michigan currently. Um, one of the other things that Coach Beeline also brought to the table was a great, you know, uh, standard of ethics and compliance. I uh, learned so many different things about how to operate within the spirit of the rules, not just the written portion of the rule. And so all those things have great value, I believe, as, as it relates to building a program, you know, not only in the right manner, but doing it in a way that's sustainable. Uh, I think the last aspect of my time with him was the talent evaluation. 
I mean, one of the best talent evaluators out there um, in terms of identifying prospects, ability to have an upside, um, as well as the player development piece where we are just investing sweat equity each and every day. Now, you've also spent time as an assistant at Ohio University and also at Western Michigan University. Now, of all these assistant coaching stops on your way back to UDM to become the head coach, what has been your favorite assistant coaching stop, if there is one? You know, I don't know if there um, is a particular favorite stop, um, just because each experience, you know, had brought so many different lessons. When you talk about the time at Ohio University with Tim O'Shea, I can't think of a better coach who uh, understood the relational aspect of the coach-player, you know, arrangement. And here's a guy that, you know, learned under Al Skinner, who's the all-time winningest coach in Boston College history, the current head coach at Kennesaw State. And Tim was one of those guys that just had a really good way of uh, interacting with people, a uh, really good way of interacting with his players, getting his players to play at a high level for him. And then when you talk about Steve Hawkins, I mean, here's a guy who I felt was a cultural expert. I mean, he understood how to build and sustain a culture of Bronco basketball at Western Michigan. Uh, he learned um, from John Wooden, you know, after working his camps for several years uh, as a native of Ventura, California himself. Uh, and uh, he shared those lessons with us, you know, as he built his program on John Wooden's definition of success. So, you know, there were so many positive uh, things that was learned at every stop that I think really have um, given me a a competitive advantage, if you will, uh, in this post here at UDM. So what do you think you will bring to the job at UDM that will be different than your predecessor, Ray McCallum? You know, know, Coach McCallum, I'd be remiss not to, you know, mention his contributions here to uh, our program. You know, first first of all, as an alum, you know, having had an opportunity to uh, follow uh, the program under his leadership, you know, his 2012 NCAA tournament appearance, as well as the um, 2013 NIT birth, was something uh, that was very, you know, remarkable in our school's history. Uh, having been to the tournament since, you know, the time that I played here in the late 90s, I thought that was quite the accomplishment. You know, when you move forward in terms of styles, Coach McCallum's team scored the basketball at a very high clip. You know, whereas I'm probably more of a defensive-minded coach, I think you'll see a little bit of blend of both uh, based on my experiences in Ann Arbor with John Beeline, um, as well as the time I spent under Perry Watson and Steve Hawkins, who were more defensive-minded coaches. Uh, so you'll get a blend of, you know, scoring the basketball that the fans enjoy, but also being pretty stingy defensively. Um, and there'll be a balance, in short, is what I'm getting at. And I know Coach McCann like to play up-tempo offensively. Will you do that as well, that style of offense, with your squads at UDM? Yeah, we will play an up-tempo style. Um, I, I, I believe that our players, you know, should have, you know, the first four uh, to maybe eight seconds of the shot clock in terms of early transition when we get clean rebounds on the defensive end. They'll also have opportunities to have that clock, you know, um, late, you know, the last, you know, eight seconds of the shot clock as well. But those 15 seconds in between and we didn't get nothing, you know, off residual action early, um, we'll get into, you know, our continuity motion offense. I'm a motion guy. I like ball movement and player movement. Uh, we like to play through the paint. Uh, we like to try to make more free throws than our opponents attempt. You know, uh, so our style of play will be that of um, really attacking the paint, playing through the paint, trying to get to the bonus early in games and often, you know, in both halves, to see if we can put pressure on our opponents, you know, and get into their bench. 
which now, um, you know, levels the playing field if you're talking about playing against high majors or putting us in a position to dominate if we're talking about guys that are equal talent level. And Coach, as you know, Coach McCallum in his final season at UDM won 16 regular season games, went 16-15 and 15 overall, and 9-9 nine and nine in Horizon League play. Now, you're probably not going to want to give me anything here with this question, but how many wins do you expect from your team in your first year at UDM? You know what? It is difficult to project that out. Uh, the first thing that we have to do is we have to make sure that we got all the right guys on the bus. You know, when we say that, we talk about establishing our culture. One of the things about our culture here uh, that's important to note is it's built on five core values, unity, perseverance, appreciation, integrity, and diligence. And so that's what we'll kind of govern ourselves by, guys that understand those five things. Well, we'll, we'll recruit to that. We'll, we'll conduct our drills to that. We'll hire staff members to that. We'll, we'll look to retain our talent based on that. And so what you'll see in year number one is us trying to establish a culture first. And then, again, as we assemble that talent and blend it with our culture, then we can talk about results. You know, the last part of things I would share along those lines is that you have to beat drills and practices before you can talk about beating opponents, before you can even talk about assimilating talent, before you can even talk about rivalry and things of that nature. And so we're just trying to, you know, raise our competitive level and our standard internally first before we can project out on what the future is going to be. Now, Coach, I had your friend and former teammate Rashad Phillips on the podcast last week, and he labeled your hire by the school as the best one in UDM school history. What does that mean to you when you hear about that being stated by Rashad? Well, anytime you got a guy that scores 2,319 points in our school's history and leads us and makes a comment like that, it's humbling. I, I, I think the world of Rashad as a teammate, I think the world of Rashad as a community leader, a husband, a father, um, really flattered. I hold myself to the same standard I just described our team by. You got to be good before you can be great. You know, yeah, we're in the honeymoon stages. The emotions are high. I'm welcome home. It's great. But I learned really quickly within the first seven or eight, you know, business days that that honeymoon is over. So, again, as flattering as that is, uh, we still got a lot of work ahead of us. And, um, again, our success is going to be determined by the talent we assemble, uh, the culture that we create, and then um, when the story is done being written, if it turns out that uh, Rashad's prediction, you know, uh, holds true, then great. But in the meantime, there's 20 coaches that have come before me that have done a tremendous job of building this program to what it is today. We've produced 22 NBA players, which is probably the most, of any program within the Midwest. And so we're, we're just very proud about our tradition. This will be the 110th team to take the floor this fall. And we're just going to keep trying to build and add our contributions under my watch. Now, would you consider bringing Rashad onto your coaching staff? Rashad right now is running a program called Skills Unlimited. Uh, he's pretty content, you know, in that regard, uh, building his um, business. He plans on relocating, actually, outside of the area this summer. So again, you know, Rashad and I, who, you know, who stay in touch quite frequently, um, let me know uh, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, that he's very content with what he's doing. Now, last but not least, Coach, what is one thing not commonly known about yourself that you can share with my listeners and I today? You know, recently I had decided on, and my wife as well, to embark upon a little bit of a lifestyle change. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing this plant-based 
lifestyle where I'm doing maybe 70 to 80% of the time eating a vegan slash vegetarian, you know, um, diet, you know, and, uh, as a result, you know, um, you know, I've been able to enjoy a, a stealth figure <laughs> that I hadn't had probably since my playing days with the Globetrotters, but, uh, that would be one fun fact. Um, another fun fact about Coach BA is that I'm actually a pretty good calligrapher. You know, I, uh, I have the ability to, you know, uh, do uh, things like that. And those, those are probably the two things, um, you know, that, you know, listeners out there probably wouldn't know about me that they wouldn't be able to guess, you know, on a trivia show. So, Coach, you're in playing shape. You can get back out there right now and play at Callahan, huh? Well, the only thing right now I can dunk is probably a donut and some coffee. (laughs) Which sounds good, too. I mean, that's more tasty than a basketball, so I'll give you that much there. (laughs) Certainly. But, Coach, good luck to you. Congratulations once again on getting the job. Have a good one, and we'll be in touch soon. Thanks so much. Uh, We say go Titans. It's our turn. It's our city. We're Detroit's college team. We'd love to see as many of your listeners get down to Callahan Hall. There'll be some fun times ahead. Thank you very much. You have a good one. Go Titans. Go Titans. Go Titans indeed there from former assistant at U of M and now the current head coach at UDM, Bakari Alexander. He's all about the Titans now, as you can tell. Detroit's college team, that's a hashtag on Twitter. You can follow Bakari. He's on Twitter himself. We can get that info for you and then tweet it out from the At Detroit Podcast Twitter handle. So you can have that. Follow him for all things Detroit Titans men's basketball. So check him out on there and check out the Detroit Titans this season with Coach Bakari Alexander leading the squad for the first time as the head man. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good one.